Welcome to Best Served, a podcast recognizing unsung hospitality heroes. Join Chef Jensen Cummings as he chops it up with industry leaders about the humans who've impacted their lives and careers. From childhood guides, to ass-kicking mentors, to the team members in the trenches that make it all happen. Help us celebrate these rock stars by sharing our show and nominating your own unsung hospitality heroes. Connect with us on social media at Best Served Podcast. Now here is your host. What's up, everybody? Jensen Cummings here. Thank you as always for tuning in. Today's Best Served Podcast 304. We're talking plating like a chef at home. Best Served Custom Volume 1, Ease of Ordering. And this is the final episode, 8 of 8, in this series of Ease of Ordering, where we've talked about everything from websites, UX, online ordering, delivery apps, to-go containers, trying to understand the customer journey through uh, the, the reality of carry-out delivery food, what that looks like currently, and what, what happens kind of going in the future. So Best Served Custom, kind of those experiences and expectations in restaurants so often we get so tunnel visioned in what we do and how we do it. It's important for us to have these feedback loops. So this is an opportunity to hear kind of from people's customer experience. So playing like a chef at home, this was a fascinating one for me because there's an interesting thing happening where look, we've all had food show up that just was not up to par and they're, you know, in transit, things can happen. And so I've been fascinated. I've seen some people playing in the space. I wanted to dive into what the opportunity was. I've seen some of the take and bake, some meal kits, love. I think there's a huge opportunity there. I want to see that continue to evolve. What I was most fascinated with was this idea of kind of thing at home, those final touches, uh, some assembly required. What, from the customer's perspective, would we want, need, expect to be able to then make sure that, you know, we don't have hot guacamole or sour cream coming on, you know, carne asada french fries or nachos or whatever that might be. The soggy french fry is the number one complaint that I hear. The sopping wet bun on kind of that burger and french fry. So what would it look like if we did some assembly at home? What, how would we understand that ex, our expectations as a consumer to be able to, you know, have the best possible home dining experience while still feeling like it's ready to eat food that you're able to kind of assemble quickly and not feel like you just had to cook your own meal. So anyway, uh, that's what I want to talk about a little bit today, kind of lay the groundwork for us, because I think it's fundamentally important as we move forward in the industry. So we've got a few guests with us that are going to speak on the topic. I want to bring Zoe in first uh, to speak with us. Zoe, good to see you. Nice to see you too. Thanks for having me on the show. All right, tell us where you're coming from. What part of what part of the country are you in? So I'm in the San Francisco Bay Area. I'm over in the East Bay most of the time. Okay, so serious restaurant scene there. So I'm fascinated to see the perspective uh, that you have from out there. All right, we'll we'll touch base with you in a second. Chloe and Tom, going to bring you guys in here. I think this is one of our first like tag team. So uh, appreciate you guys being on as well. Uh, yeah. Chloe and Tom, where are you guys coming from? We're in Denver, Colorado. Okay, I like it. All right, so you kind of we talked before we started. You heard my my rant. There's a huge opportunity here and a vulnerability. I think one of the things also that I didn't mention is I think restaurants have gotten some leeway, rightfully so, over the last year through the pandemic. As we start to think about what happens next, because now we're going to find kind of this groove for the industry, in-person dining, events, 
catering, pop-ups, these things will come back to a degree. It's going to take a while. They're going to come back. Yet we're never going to go back to business as usual because we've recognized there's a huge opportunity in carryout. People willing to spend money to bring food into their home, yeah. huge white space. And we cannot turn away from that because a lot of us in the industry, we, we can be a little nostalgic about having butts and seats and the way that it was and the way that we always kind of ran our dining rooms. So I want to encourage people, please order food, spend a dollar any way, any way you can is so helpful for a restaurant. So uh, in that, Zoe, I want to, want to start with you. Set, this, set the scene for us a little bit. You're getting carryout food or delivery food. You know, I'm sure you've had great experiences, subpar and just disasters. Like your expectation, your understanding, like what do you want to see or what have you seen thus far? I mean, I've seen some great things being in the Bay Area and I've seen some things that I literally, you know, decided not to eat. Um, I've, like you ordered food and it showed up and you decided I'm going to make a, a grilled cheese instead? Yeah, I think I actually had a quesadilla. <laughs> yep. I was like, no, like it was just, it yeah. had gotten all, it slid apart. You know, the everything was kind of soggy. It looked dry on the top as if they had put it in there, you know, put it in some kind of container and left it in there a really long time and then threw it into the back of somebody's car and dropped it off so um you know and you, all right, you don't you have to tell us like who that. was from but what was what was the actual dish i have to know the dish that it couldn't even you didn't even want to feed it to the dog it looked so bad what what was that dish it was actually a burger you know yeah. it, and that should be the thing that's the easiest to package you know that's like the first drive-through fast food but this was like a burger from a nice restaurant and they just they couldn't uh, they didn't figure it out you know it was uh mm. it was sad yeah and there was you know it had like a bunch of stuff on it like blue cheese and caramelized onions and i should have yeah. probably known better than to order something that moist yeah uh, look French. here's an interesting thing i don't think you should have known better I think the restaurants need to take responsibility for that. Absolutely, they need to take responsibility for that. And it's a struggle because here's a hard thing, and especially, you know, Tom having the restaurant background is like, look, I've been telling chefs for actually a while, and especially in the pandemic, and it's really hard for chefs to think about it this way, but like, I think you need to start designing your menus and your dishes to go first. It is much easier to bring it to a plate than it is to take it from the plate and bring it to that to-go container. And because they've built that blue cheese, caramelized onion burger so many times that way, it's like you can't see the forest through the trees of recognizing that's just not going to be a good burger when it shows up. So the idea of like, yeah. you can put that blue cheese and those caramelized onions on the side, you can even put, you can put the blue cheese, you, excuse me, more likely what you can do is put the blue cheese and the onions on the burger and put the bun on the side and any of like, toppings you don't want to be uh touching that hot greasy burger and then asking somebody to pop that in you know the oven or the air fryer for 47 seconds so uh, i'm interested in that tom i'll come to you i see a lot of nodding. that that's a hard thing for for kind of restaurant people so for you when you get that burger you know how good it could have been if you had it on the plate yet the chef is still not allowing the opportunity for that thing to be better at home because we don't necessarily want it served at home because we want to plate the dish. We want it served in the dining room. So touch on that a little bit from the customer's perspective. 
I think it has a lot to do with what you said earlier as far as the restaurant taking ownership of things. So it's kind of a it's there's three situations that's going on with that. So the first one is intention, like you said, on the restaurant designing plates and sending them out in a manner that they're going to make it home and hold the integrity that they want those dishes to be served with. So it's going to be packaging and how they send that out. That's a two-part thing in having the intention and the forethought to be like, what ingredients need to go here? How do we hold the integrity of the bun? How do we keep things from getting soggy or tomatoes maybe? Like, don't serve a tomato if it's not in season because it's going to be moist, wet, and getting all over the place. But the tomatoes, the wet ingredients, the cold ingredients, they need to be packaged separately. Another layer to that is going to be packaging, which we know so often is like an afterthought because better packaging costs more money. So something chefs have to take into account when they start doing their cost analysis. The last part of that whole situation, which I find to be the biggest hole in the gambit, is how are we going to get it delivered? What's the delivery service? I've worked with everything from pizza to like some of the more fine dining things because fine dining is like a big thing that's come onto the scene doing the to go to like get through the situation. But I think that's the biggest hole in the situation is whatever delivery service you have, like that's where the restaurant loses complete control of the situation as far as timing, how it gets there. Once again, temperature integrities, like, and them, making sure that your product gets delivered. I think the to-go thing is always going to be more successful because you have control with it and that person is going to take it home and they have more care for it than maybe is there with other things, especially I can only imagine in San Francisco, like Denver's a city and it's fairly easy to get around and park. It's not always the best situation, but in that delivery moment when there's like less parking, how are we going to get there? Stopping around. Those are a lot of things that come into the equation, but I think it starts like you were talking about with intent within the restaurant on designing the plate and then figuring out all the details as far as how do we get delivered? How do we keep all the integrity to these things? And then the last part, which you're on board with because meal kits and such like the directions that have to be designed and, we do it as chefs things because we give direct directions and they're always exact and it's a yes chef. You don't ask a question, but <laughs> how do you going to do that for the home, the home customer? I, I want to get to that because I think there's some interesting opportunities, some, uh, some untapped potential there. Uh, Chloe, for you, I mean, look, Tom mentioned it, you know, the to-go container costs some money, right? To have something that's of quality. Yeah. The only thing a restaurant can't afford is for Zoe will never, order from that place again, you know, and a lot of people are having that experience. Only thing you can't afford is to send out bad food. And look, it, it may have been one thing when it left your kitchen, your restaurant, and it may be another thing when it shows up. Yet, like, you need to recognize that. Like, restaurants, you should be test Bubba testing that. Send every single dish somewhere. And, you know, like, you need to know exactly what's showing up on the other end. Send not- it to your friend's house across across yeah absolutely so for you you know reflect on that a little bit your expectation of and you know you have the chef in the house so it's always like all right he's gonna go ahead and tell you all the reasons that it's x y and z for the restaurant right so chloe for you you know what's your expectation what's been your experience thus far 
Um, so we actually had COVID. So we got stuck in the house together for two weeks and we had wow. another option than to order to go food. Yeah. Um, and we ordered from all our normal favorites and there were some that were super disappointing and it did have to do with the delivery system and also just their packaging. Um, so I know food costs and like every cost is, you know, it, it's detrimental, but during these times, I think if you take the effort to actually find the correct packaging for your food, so you know that it gets to your customer appropriately yes. is huge. Um, yeah. So one of the things that I brought up to you, one of our favorite like fuzz spots, they, they have just gone all out and they have the most impressive packaging I've ever seen from any restaurant. And they have shout them out. We will tag them. I want to anybody yeah. who's doing an amazing job of anything so, right now. I want to like scream it from the mountain. So who is I that? Don't, I, I don't know the chefs. I don't know the owners. I didn't even say anything to them. So I <laughs> obviously we'll tag them. But what's the restaurant, though? It's Pho on 74th. Pho on 74th. We will find yeah. them and we will make sure they know. So not only do they just put out a good product, but um, their packaging and just the fact that they put instructions on their website is huge because most people, when they order to go, they want to just to be able to eat it. But that can't be a thing right now. Sometimes it does have to come in deconstructed and you have to know how to put it together so you can yes. enjoy it like you did when you were in their restaurant. So I think just taking that extra step is massive. I, I want to, Zoe, I want you to, to pick that up and run with it because I think there's a huge opportunity there. One, just for somebody to get the best possible product, and I think is, is, is one piece. The other is you can feel a little bit disconnected from the restaurant when you're just getting carry out, just getting delivery. And we do need that sense of belonging, especially if it's your favorite, favorite spots, right? And so the instructions, even just like, you know, even reading the instructions and saying to yourself, yes, chef, I got this. Right. I'm going to make sure that this dish is spot on. I think one of the big opportunities is QR codes because now everybody has a QR code reader for their menus. And I want to see that that quick video and I want to see the chef showing me how to how to finish that dish. So I'm interested, Zoe, if, you know, if you would have appreciated the opportunity to finish that burger yourself to have it be better or do you not want to mess with it like give me an idea if there's an opportunity there for you to finish at home um, oh i definitely would have preferred that yeah i mean to have something that tastes like it was freshly made that would be it's minimal effort if it's already been prepped and cooked and packaged you know a little bit of assembly taking five minutes maybe 10 if it's something a little more complicated that you need to reheat, but it would be absolutely worth it. And I think people would love it. I mean, I know a lot of the people in the Bay area um, or a lot of the restaurants in the Bay area, rather they've come a long way in the last year, the way they package things. And I've definitely seen improvements. So it's starting already. And I think there's a lot of options. Having a video would be great. I mean, if it's something as simple as a burger, you know, it should be pretty self-aware, but there's still restaurants that are packaging, you know, all the cold things at the top of the bag. And by they get there, by the time they get there, all the heat's risen from the bottom food up to the top food. It sort of ruined the ass that they put out there trying to keep everything separate because, you know, 
step isn't happening. But also, you know, I give them a break here too because it's uncommon to get food in less than like 45 minutes to an hour where I right. live just because, you know, there's extra wait times, the delivery drivers are spinning out and, you know, it's a challenge, but it's still possible. And I think people would appreciate that. Yeah. And it is a challenge. And look, to this point, we've we've given a, a lot of runway, a lot of leeway in this scenario. And there's still challenges restaurants are facing. I mean, every day I hear restaurants being like, well, the to-go packaging I got last week, it's not available anymore. I've talked to people in distribution and manufacturing. They don't even have the raw materials to make some of those. So completely understand. Yet, you can either figure it out or you can continue to spin your wheels. And I think there's people that are figuring it out really well to, to Chloe's point. So I'm really interested too in this. You just mentioned how long it take. Tom made reference of it in San Francisco. How much are you thinking about the proximity of where you're getting food now? It seems like it is even more important than ever when just to be able to get the food to you, you know, in a timely manner is such a vulnerability. Are you no longer... Has your circle of restaurants gotten a lot smaller as far as proximity goes? Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah, absolutely. I think proximity plays a huge part to it. I mean, it happens with alcohol. Oh, but with like restaurants, definitely. Oh. Go ahead. Zoe, pick it up, and then I'll, I'll come over to Tom and Chloe. Sorry, sounds cutting out. Oh yeah, well you know I'm I'm trying to keep my favorite restaurants that are in my neighborhood, you know, getting my business because I'd like for them to be there, on the other side of this. I've already been in that neighborhood through another crash where every storefront was suddenly empty, and you know it's not pleasant to live in a neighborhood that's just boarded up. Um, so you know, in addition to wanting fresh hot food, I also want to make sure that the local restaurants are supported and I mean I'm lucky enough to live next to amazing places we have like a Michelin star restaurant that's take out now and I, you know I never really considered going there but now it's available there was also a, an amazing yeah. Thai food experience I had where they brought a platter I'd like, and it was just beautifully laid out on uh, a banana leaf, I think. And it was great. So there's some doing oh. a good job out there for sure. See, there you go. I love that. People being creative with what they're presenting. You know, it's not just throwaway food. It's not just like, oh, well, you're not coming to the restaurant. So I'm just going to give you an afterthought. I, I like the idea of that. So I think that's, I think that makes a ton of sense. And you said something that's been so important. Uh, you got to spend money now where you want to spend money later. So I appreciate that. So for sure. Uh, Chloe, I want to come to you because uh, in the, this is where we, this whole show comes from me just asking questions on social media and then finding out what, what people are thinking. And you specifically said that your normal pho place, you started going to and, and getting food from pho on 74th because you were just kind of blown away by the whole experience from the food itself, the packaging, being able to have the instructions on, on the website. And like, look, I don't think you actually need those instructions, yet it feels thoughtful. Like it feels like they care about you, which means something. To Zoe's point, like she doesn't necessarily need them to show them how to finish the burger, but just the fact that it's out there means that you give a shit. And that goes a long way right now. So what made you make the shift 
to it's you know when you have a club place you kind of stick with it for life i know yeah so i mean it really was the care um i mean we live along federal so it's still the same street yes this new place is closer but we really were just blown away number one just by the product but also by the care that they you know provided um I've ordered from, you know, all sorts of different like websites through like Postmates or DoorDash, blah, 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 doesn't matter. But I feel like some restaurants, they just, they're so not like hooked into their online presence that it's actually been more damaging to them through the pandemic than it should be. And it's really unfortunate. So the fact that they took the time and care to make themselves available to their customers so they could stay open yes. and they took the time and care to write up how to like prepare their food when you receive it and they also ordered really nice packaging again it's just I know that it, it, it takes a lot and it's a lot to ask for during these times, but that's what's going to keep you open as a restaurant and your customers are going to recognize that. And that's why you're going to keep getting people coming back and that it means the world, you know, so. You just said something really important. You know, you've ordered from some of the delivery apps, then you're going directly to some of the restaurants you want to still have hospitality in this process. Like you still want to feel like you're taken care of that. Somebody on the other end of that exchange wants you to have a great experience. You may never see them. You don't know who that is. You never got to interact with them yet. And that makes, you know what, if you can produce hospitality through that equation, you are better at hospitality than other restaurants. And I like really need people to hear that. And I want to keep being a, a customer. You know, there's a lot of restaurants that I still order from and I absolutely love and will support, but um, they have no online presence, even if yeah. it's just updating their um, their Google like hours and operation and if they're doing to-go or dine-in. So 10 minutes means all the world to your customers. And I think people need to pay more attention to that. I could, I could not agree more. And it's, it's interesting. I think about that QR code video a lot because not only I think it's a way that you can do the assembly at home, I think it's a way that you have a QR code specifically for DoorDash, Postmates, uh, Uber Eats, Grubhub, whatever platforms you might be using because yes, they're very expensive for restaurants to be able to utilize those. It cuts into the non-existent margins. Absolutely. We cannot demonize people that use those platforms because Anybody willing to spend a dollar with you, you have to celebrate the fact of that. You need to figure out the business within your business. And one of the things I think is interesting, imagine if I sent you a, a video, QR code, you got delivery food from me. And I, you clicked on this video, it's 30 seconds of me saying, I am so grateful to you for spending one moment of your time and $1 of your hard-earned money with us. And I hope you have the best and most delicious experience ever. And just so you know, as a small independently owned restaurant, if you were ever able to pick up food directly from us, it would mean the world to us and would have a huge impact on our team and our business and our community. And thank you once again. Like that is hospitality. It that is both- speaks volumes. I mean, it, it would speak volumes to people. One, it might actually get some people to spend money differently with you because a lot of people don't even know. They think they're doing the, the restaurant a pure service 
by spending money, not understanding the economics of it. And you know what? If they only get one out of four times, they come directly to you. That does change the economics of the potential of that business. So, Tom, I, I wanted to come to you uh, thinking about that kind of internally from the restaurant. Like, There's opportunity there. And, you know, a lot of our contemporaries are not spending the time and the effort to think about it that way. I mean, just having this whole conversation and I touched it at the beginning, I think it just all comes down to intention because when we're in our own space and we have that controlled feeling, whether you're in your kitchen or you're on the service side, everything had intention behind it at that point. And like thinking about it now, it's kind of disappointing to think about how there's less intention. And yeah, we have those OG mom and pop shops that are ran by the 80 year old like couple and they scream people out of the building, but you go back because there's a certain level of food, but they aren't able to translate it because that's not part of their business program. And maybe they're just not great problem solvers, but everyone else who's in the business, they just got to get back to like their intent of the situation. You had intention in the dining room for things to run a certain way in your kitchen. And you just have to like push the intention farther out. You got to be flexible like you were talking about. Don't be spinning your wheels doing the same thing over and over. Find the new lanes. And that's how you're going to get your business to open it up is by being flexible, being open to the change. And you can't look at it as everything being an obstacle. You have to look at it, as you say, the white space. These are opportunities to grow. So when it does come back, you get the bounce back. But now you have this other like source of revenue that wasn't there before because maybe those people can't come in anyways and they would have never come because they don't have transportation or the ability to get there but they turn on to you because you stepped out you got in the lane and you created a new way to get to them and like you said how do we create the hospitality outside when you create the hospitality outside people see your intention and they appreciate that and it's kind of the whole restaurant thing. People will come back for okay food. They will always like people will come back for great food always, but people will come back for okay food. If that service and the hospitality and intent, like impressed them and made them feel cared for. A thousand percent. Something that's hard to hear from the kitchen side sometimes because we focus so much on the food and I keep, I, I had to reflect on this and a lot of us need to think about this. It's not the food that actually matters. Like the food is just the proof that you are who you say you are. And we want who you are and what you're willing to put out there into the world. That's what people really gravitate towards. Simon Sinek says people buy why you do what you do, not what you do. And I'm like, yep, that's exactly it. The food is just the vehicle for that communication, for that connection. So I really appreciate that. We lost Zoe. She had some some bad connections, as you can tell. I'm going to make sure and get Zoe some uh, recommendations of restaurants that are in and her neighborhood that she really likes because we want to give them a shout out. You mentioned Fa on 74th to take us out. What are some of the other places you want to uh, give shout outs to acknowledge that are doing a great job right now? This is like an Oscar acceptance. You're going to ramble on and I'm just going to cut you off when you're done. There's so many. Guadalajara. Uh, Yeah, Guadalajara. That's over on 72nd between like Pecos and Federal. Let me just call it out. Go for it. I'm going to let you roll. Um, RJ's. Uh, famous original Jays is killing it. There's okay. Rosenberg's. Um, you probably know Matt Shoemaker. Really yeah. great. I worked with a couple other of our acquaintances. I don't know. It's yeah. funny. Like we order food, but 
obviously because we're both cooks. Yeah, we right? spend a lot of time <laughs> so, at home trying yeah. to be fastidious. And no, that, was, that was a good couple places. That was a good couple places. I, I think it's I think it's important to to one not be not put up a facade and pretend like places aren't struggling right now, not just struggling financially and struggling with staff. But like you got to figure it out. When I hear people still today being like, "Yeah, my food just doesn't travel that well," and why the fuck are you still cooking that food? Like you have you have to be able to adapt to what's happening. Restaurant people are some of the most adaptable people. We're counter punchers all day every day, so you have to figure it out and. I know we don't like to go food. It wasn't how we were kind of brought up in the industry. Like I get all of that yet. What are you going to do next? And there's so many great places, so much great food, so much great potential for hospitality that like, I'm, a, I'm mad at them when they're like, I'm, we're, we can't figure it out. I was like, bullshit. You can figure it out. You just have to have the intent. Take as you, a second as you and do it. Yeah. Adapt. I Got mean, you have to. Yeah. I, I think there's one last point that we got to, have the restaurants really take ownership of as we create this new market for all this to go food, we are still going to be creating dishes as restaurants come back online and you have people in the building. Not all that stuff is translatable. And that restaurant can't just be a yes, ma'am restaurant for the sake of hospitality. The restaurants will also have to learn how to say no to hold up their integrity as well. We've created these things, but we can't ensure the integrity of these other things. So you should come see us. And that's so, a reason to come and see us, but so we do you create a to go have menu? that. So have your to go yeah. th- to go things, but as you have these other things, yeah. that can definitely you. create that little bit of exclusive, you know, experience type thing. Uh, absolutely. What you don't want to do is one of two things to what you're mentioning. You don't want to have your to go menu be throwaway dishes. It's clear that you save all the good stuff for in house. I think there's an opportunity for different stylistically to have it be. And the second is you got to stay on brand. You can't hype chase because this travels well. And all of a sudden you're just trying to have a bunch of food that travels well. That has nothing to do with who you are. And it's right. clear because there's, there's a disconnect from the brand. So really, really good point. We're going to have to really navigate that. And at the point, Chloe, that you made, there's some places that are doing that. They have their delivery only or their carry out only, or they have delivery carry out and dining three different menus. And if you can't understand the UX, the user experience of how they're going to navigate that digitally, you're vulnerable as well. So not just making the menu, you need to make the menu easily accessible, understood, and that exchange be very simple because people aren't going to try so hard, you know? No, I mean, I know it's challenging, but just taking the time to do it means, you know, your business either fails or you're going to continue being successful. So Yes, and we want to see them be successful. Chloe, Tom, and Zoe, wherever you are in the city, in the Bay Area, we really appreciate all the insights, the feedback, a lot of good stuff. I'm glad we got to highlight a couple of restaurants that are doing it right. I think it's easy to just highlight the things that aren't happening well. And yes, we need to reconcile against those. But there's a lot of people that have found their way through hardship. So I love the resiliency of the restaurant industry. And thanks to, uh, to you for being guests. We'll let you go. I appreciate it. Thank you, Jensen. It's great to see you. All right. Have a good one. Cheers. Peace. Thanks for listening to the Best Served Podcast. Subscribe to our show and connect with us on social media at Best Served Podcast. Tune in next week to discover more unsung hospitality heroes.